In late 1976, the Institute of Contemporary Arts, or ICA Gallery in London, unveiled its recent exhibition, Prostitution, a retrospective group show by established art collective, Coombe Transmissions. The collective, no stranger to confrontation, couldn't have predicted the reaction their work would receive, but upon opening, the show was immediately met with vitriolic reviews in the press, mentioned in the Houses of Parliament, and censorship restrictions were placed on some of the pornographic images. The Conservative MP Nicholas Fairbairn famously said, quote, These people are the wreckers of civilization, end quote. And rows ensued about public funding for the arts. The fallout was hard. At the heart of the furore were the sexually explicit works by Cozy Fanny Tutti, an artist whose work traverses performance, music, and pornography. The latter has caused controversy ever since she appeared posing nude in men's magazines in the early 1970s. Her performative magazine actions then cut up and used to create collages within the prostitution exhibition were considered too risky and confrontational for the main gallery walls, violating the UK's pornography laws. According to writer Helena Rickett, quote, The exhibition aroused hysterical reactions from the British media and art establishment, unable to address the political implications of the work, end quote. Art and sex have always flirted with each other beautifully. Long before the legislation of pornography and the advent of online streaming sites, erotic art and texts were a means for artists to explore their sexuality, kinks and desires, expanding notions of gaze, identity, race and class through different artistic mediums. Representations of naked bodies have been a constant throughout the history of art. But when these images combine sexually explicit acts or appear in another context outside of white gallery walls, it's a different story. As we'll see, Cozy Fanny Tutti and the collective Coombe Transmissions faced a backlash from the press, the political parties and their parents, although with a name like prostitution, it was bound to ruffle some feathers. Welcome to Cancelled. I'm your host, Leah, and this is the show where we look back at some of the biggest and most bizarre attempts to cancel people, corporations, and even countries. You may think the subject of our very rigorous and academic study deserves public disdain. You may think it's all a gross injustice, but it doesn't matter, because all of them were judged in the court of public opinion and ultimately cancelled. For a period during the 1970s, the ICA was known for its often anarchic program, reflecting the shake-up that was happening within the art world. Within a decade which birthed many social movements, conversations around feminism, race and sexuality came to the forefront of art. Avant-garde artists have always pushed buttons, deliberately provoking and confronting social taboos and expectations, particularly in regard to sex and nudity. Notably, it's female artists who have reversed the patriarchal lens and transformed their identity from object to subject. Artists such as Anna Menzietta, Cindy Sherman, and Marina Abramovich place their bodies front and center of their work. During Abramovich's piece, Rhythm Zero, performed in 1974, she stood in a gallery for six hours and invited the audience to do whatever they wished, using one of 72 objects she had placed on the table. During the performance, Marina was touched intimately, cut with a scalpel, and had a loaded gun pressed against her forehead. The art world was changing. Along with it, radical ideas were emerging. Cozy Fanny Tutti, active since the early 1970s in her hometown of Hull, created performative actions against the grim backdrop of post-war Northern England. 
growing up on a council estate, Cozy wasn't content that she was expected to follow in the footsteps of her parents and friends. She couldn't see herself being a stay-at-home mum and supporting a husband. Luckily, art college provided the break she needed, and along with it, the exposure to new ideas and people. It was there that she began experimenting with new mediums and met fellow artist and provocateur Genesis P. Orridge. The two quickly formed an artistic alliance and relationship. Together, they founded the collective Coombe Transmissions, along with several other art students and eccentrics in Hull. Stemming from the counterculture movement, the group set about a way of life and attitudes opposed to the prevailing social norm. In early 1970, they were living together in a fiercely decorated squat without a pot to piss in or a roof on the kitchen in a derelict Victorian terrace. This collective centered creativity as the driving force for life and created performative actions on the streets of Hull. Dressed in brightly colored costumes made from anything they could salvage, scraps of Christmas tinsel, toys and feather dusters, Coombe entertained the Saturday shoppers with absurd Dadaist and surreal sketches which involved performance and music. It often didn't mean anything, but that was the point. These actions disrupted, using entertainment and humor, the routine and mundanity of daily life. Hull hadn't seen anything like it. It wasn't uncommon in the late 1960s for groups of artists to live and work together, especially in places like San Francisco, where queer performance collective The Coquettes gained momentum off the sun-drenched acid trails of the Haight-Ashbury hippie scene. Hull, by contrast, was a cold working-class dockers town and much more isolated before they built the Humber Bridge. But the city was receptive to Coombe's actions and over the years built up a good reaction to the group's crazy antics. Coombe were gaining a respectable reputation within the arts and culture sector, so much so they were soon invited to create performances in mainland Europe and around the rest of the UK. They even represented Britain in the 9th Paris Biennale with support of the British Council. By the time 1973 rolled around, Cozy and Genesis had left Hull and moved to an artist studio space in Hackney. Long before the borough was gentrified, they lived and worked on Martello Street, in a studio they would later call The Death Factory, supposedly due to its proximity to the plague pits under the London Fields Common. It was during this period that Coombs and Cozy's artistic practices shifted away from surrealist public actions and they began to introduce elements that included sadomasochistic performance, nudity and eroticism into the work. With a desire to explore the forbidden, unspoken and the baseline of the human experience, in 1974 they presented Cooming of Age at the Oval House Theatre in London. In Cozy's 2017 memoir, Art, Sex, Music, she writes, quote, The show was an odd collection of innocent, cliched sexual fantasies and scenarios, but with twists. End quote. The twist she was referring to involved her urinating on stage and simulated sex dressed as dogs. Clearly the group were heading in a different direction, but hadn't lost the ethos of confronting audiences with the unexpected. Furthering these themes, Cozy began working as a stripper and modeling for pornographic shoots, partly to help fund the cost of surviving as an artist and covering her basic needs, but also as an extension of the themes circulating within Coombe and her own interest in the burgeoning sex market. Cozy had been making collages using images of women cut out from adult magazines. One day, she thought that if she was cutting herself out and using her own images in the work, then that would be a complete work of art from beginning to end. This chosen path was an art project and a means for her to explore her sexuality visually. It allowed Cozy complete self-expression, 
and as an extension of her artistic practice, these collages were a method of controlling the narrative in a male-dominated industry, which, according to Cozy, was run by, quote, very sleazy, dirty old men, end quote. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. In the early 70s, the UK's laws concerning pornography were vague, badly worded, and far behind the rest of Europe. Essentially, pornography was still illegal, although everyone knew where to find it if you looked hard enough. Most pornos were imported from around the world, and because VHS tapes were only invented in 1977, it was difficult to watch porn at home. Porn cinemas were disguised as members-only clubs, and dirty magazines were mostly available mail order, and delivered in plain envelopes, disguised as something more palatable. A quick Google search and you'll find an archive of Cozy's images which bear all the hallmarks of vintage porn. Pubic hair, no retouching, and gloriously tacky set design. Through these works, she could explore her identity and do exactly as she pleased, which she says, quote, I had no responsibility to anyone. I didn't have to answer to men or women, end quote. Ubiquitously timed with a new wave of feminism, which had a strong stance against the viewing and creation of pornography and the sex industry as a whole, Cozy says, quote, I found it very divisive. I didn't hate men, end quote. It wanted to split her away from an area she was really enjoying and exploring. She felt more allegiance with the gay and lesbian movements of the time, which she felt were much more inclusive. When the ICA gallery approached Coombe, inviting them for an exhibition, ideas quickly spun into a retrospective of Coombe's work and Cozy's individual art project. Cozy writes, quote, The title of the exhibition was Prostitution, not only as a direct reference to my first appearance in a sex magazine, as well as my subsequent sex magazine works, but it also represented our thoughts about the art world, talent being touted and sold for a price, the relationship between high art and money. We felt we'd come to the end of the road with Arts Council grants. The conditions were too restrictive, end quote. Genesis framed it in simpler terms, quote, we're all prostitutes, really, end quote, combing the group's feelings of selling themselves to the art establishment. The group were already fanning the flames, but nothing could prepare them for what happened next. The show would feature several large-scale props from Coombe's actions, plus documentation of their performances across the UK and Europe. These would be displayed alongside sculptures made from Cozy's used bloody tampons and, of course, her sex magazine collages. The inclusion of Cozy's work within the exhibition caused an intervention by the Crown Commissioners, who were the leaseholders of the ICA gallery, and the Arts Council, who threatened the ICA with a reduction in their funding. Eventually, they got the go-ahead, but with one condition. Cozy writes, quote, my sexually explicit magazine works could not be shown on the main gallery walls for legal and what they described as diplomatic reasons. Not just that, but they would be housed in boxes and form part of a members-only exhibition in a separate room at the back of the main gallery, to be viewed on request and only by members of the ICA. End quote. Cozy was being censored and the works relegated to backroom viewing. 
By censoring Cozy's images, they were essentially adding to the narrative that these could not be seen as works of art. Due to the explicit content, they were separated from the main body of work when, in fact, this was a body of work, a woman's expression of her body. When the show officially opened, everything kicked off. The furore attracted reporters and newspaper editors who were hell-bent on focusing on the nudity and tampons. This headline ran the next morning, quote, Bust up a gallery of porn. A weird porn and pop art show sponsored by public money had art chiefs bristling last night, just a stone's throw away from Buckingham Palace, end quote. On the second day of the exhibition, they couldn't do their planned performances due to the scrutiny and intrusion by the press. Cozy's diary entry reads, quote, Fucking ridiculous today at the ICA. So many reporters and so aggressive. The reporters chased me through the gallery and nearly broke the door down. They punched Chris and called him a cunt. End quote. It didn't stop there. A headline from the Sunday People broke the camel's back. It read, quote, Cozy Fanny's Deep in Blue Movies. End quote. Of course, it wasn't just the members of Coombe who were affected. These headlines and stories had an effect further afield. When Cozy's mum and dad read the article, they believed the hyperbole. It had a tremendous effect on Cozy's mum, who cut ties completely with Cozy. As a result, the two would never speak or see each other again. In an interview for the third edition of Dirt magazine in 1978, Cozy reflected on the fallout within the magazine industry too, quote, When they found out about the ICA, I got blacklisted from every tip magazine, because they realized I'd taken them for a ride. They actually all got around and said, no more cozy, right? End quote. Before the term council culture existed, we used words like blacklisted, dropped or cut ties with. Essentially, it's all the same. Cozy was cancelled by her mother and the magazine she modelled for. The press reaction was hysterical and fueled the fire. Using all the reviews and press cuttings, the group photocopied them and pinned them to the walls of the gallery, thus flipping the idea on its head. The exhibition became a living embodiment of the press hysteria. Because of Cozy's collages and the magazine work and the press's reaction to the exhibition, the group were mentioned during questions in the House of Commons. Tory MP Nicholas Fairbairn said, quote, These people are the wreckers of civilization, end quote, because their work was provocative and rubbed up against the conservative values of the time. The exhibition Prostitution would ultimately signal the end of Coombs' relationship within the art world, deemed as too problematic for mainstream representation. But it hardly mattered. The group morphed into Throbbing Gristle, combining with two other members and would continue goading the mainstream, creating provocative and influential sound work for years to come. All four members would have careers that lasted decades both in and out of the group. Cozy is still working today. When we consider today's debates around council culture, censorship and the notion of trigger warnings, freedom of speech and freedom of expression, how likely is it then that an exhibition like Prostitution would be staged in all its glory? Would such work still cause eruptions from conservative groups and right-leaning media? Would it be cancelled on the grounds of taste and decency? Or would we applaud the content of the artistry for breaking down divides between art, sex and the human experience? Would a female artist be hounded for weeks for centering sexually explicit material within their art practice? Undoubtedly so. Which is why Cozy's work and prostitution is still relevant today. This episode was written by Rhiannon Styles. This is a Broccoli Production. <laughs>